Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn with me today to 1 Peter chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 5. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about what happens when we walk in the light. When we understand what Christ has really done for us and we step up and receive that light that he has for you and I. Before we get into that, I wanted to pause for just a moment and tell you that Gary and Carolyn Bird are doing excellent, recovering very, very well. For those of you who are not aware, four weeks ago today, we started the Four Corners Prayer Ride in Blaine, Washington. At about three o'clock that Sunday afternoon, Gary and Carolyn had a wreck. They wrecked because the heat became so extreme, the temperature on my bike, the thermometer, was pegged at 120 degrees. Later that night at the hospital, I was watching a local news reporter. She held a thermometer about two foot off the asphalt, and it was reading 154 degrees. You had the heat of the bike to that, and it was tremendous. It was extremely hot. And Gary succumbed to that heat, and as a result, they had a wreck. Uh, I thought when I got to them, I was the first one there, I would probably find two people who were no longer alive because of the severity of that accident. But God was with them, God spared them, and God is now healing them and strengthening them. I told you the story, someone said, tell it again and tell it again, about how I tried to lift that bike off Carolyn's legs, and the motorcycle weighs over a thousand pounds, and I couldn't do it. As a result, I hurt my back, and uh, someone said, You haven't had your bike. You haven't been riding it. Did you sell it? No, I didn't sell it. Uh, Yes, I will ride again. It's on its way from Portland here. I had to ship the bike because of my back. When I couldn't lift it, I just thought or said, I'm not really sure which, Lord, I need help. And when I turned to my right, there stood a guy who was one of the biggest guys I'd ever seen. He was huge. And he said, what do you need? And I said, I need this bike lifted off of her legs so we can pull her out from under it. He lifted that thousand pound motorcycle like it was a piece of paper, nothing to it at all. And I really wasn't giving much thought to what happened at that moment. I was more concerned with Gary and Carolyn. But later as I reflected upon it, I realized I didn't hear that guy come in through the trees because the trees branches were clear to the ground. All kinds of dead branches and dead leaves you had to crawl through. I didn't hear him come in. And after he lifted the bike off him, I turned to take care of Carolyn. When I turned around, he was gone, and I didn't hear him go back out through the trees. I'm absolutely convinced that God sent an angel to do what I couldn't do. So this morning, I want you to recognize there are times in your life that you can't do what needs to be done. But in those times, we serve a God who can dispatch angels, who can bring the power of the Holy Spirit, who can give you wisdom and enlightenment, who can enable you to see him do what you can't do. I love it when Psalms 91 verses 11 and 12 say, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up. I love that scripture. You need to understand that's what God does when we walk in the light, when we follow Jesus Christ, when we see him do what he has declared he will do. Look with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I read that passage of scripture, and you know what it tells me? It tells me who I am. It tells me that I am a special person. It tells me I'm a part of a royal generation and a royal priesthood. It tells me that I've been set apart, that God is watching over my life, that God is guiding and directing me. Why does he do that? Well, it tells me on purpose as well, that you may proclaim his wonderful works, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. May I get on my soapbox for just a moment? If I never hear another preacher say, I'm going to tell you your purpose, I would be happy. Because I don't need a preacher to use pop psychology to tell me what my purpose is here on this earth. The Word of God declares it to me. My purpose is to give Him praise, honor, and glory. My purpose is to allow His light to shine through me. My purpose is to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth to all who have not heard. Would you please stop looking for something that is not in the scripture and begin doing and being what the scripture says you are? It's time to understand you're called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And you're called for a reason, and that is to proclaim his praises and to declare to those around you what God has done in you and through you, and he can do the same for them. Can I tell you that every believer has that same purpose? Now, every believer doesn't fit in the kingdom in the same way. We all have different gifts and abilities. We're all a part of a body, and we have to fit together, Ephesians says, as joints that are fitly joined together so that we can accomplish the work of God. So it doesn't mean when I say this is your purpose that everyone does the same thing. No, there's room in the kingdom for you and for your gifts. God has given them to you. You need to use them in order to advance the kingdom of God. But we need to understand my identity is in him who brought me out of darkness into light. And my purpose is to do what he's asked me to do. Can you say amen? Say, oh me, I don't care. One or the other, we need to understand who we are and what we're called for. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. For you were once darkness. You were once darkness. I want you to notice that. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were once darkness, but now you are light. It doesn't say you're now in the light. It says you are now light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Look at the next verse. It says finding out what is acceptable, excuse me, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So that's what you're supposed to be displaying. If you're light, you display goodness, righteousness, and truth. You don't fall for error. You don't spread error. You don't fall for false doctrine because you are light. And that light always reveals what God wants you to do. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, finding out what is the acceptable, what is acceptable to the Lord. You see, you and I, are, as we walk in the light and as we are light, we are to find out, to discover, to know what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11. For we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, what did Peter say? Peter said he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Paul said it this way in this passage of Scripture, you once were darkness, but now you are light. That tells me, and it should tell you, there is a definitive transformation that occurs in the heart of an individual when Jesus Christ becomes their Lord and Savior. And that transformation is not a one-time event, but rather it is a progressive walk with Him. As we walk out of darkness into His light, as we leave those things behind and embrace the things of God. Verse 11, read it again, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. For whatever makes manifest is light. See, we need to understand that as we are walking with Jesus Christ, he brought us from darkness and he made us light. He took us out of darkness and he made us light. He changed us. He transformed us. And with that transformation, things happen in us. We change our priorities. We change our views. We change our revelation. We change our knowledge. And we begin to walk in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, listen to me, when you are light, you then have every right to place a demand on the grace of God. And ask God to come into your life and to do what you can't do. Every right to say you are supernatural and you are in me and reflected through me. I once was darkness, but now I'm light. And because of that, I have every right to expect you to do what the word says you will do. Expect you to reveal your grace and your mercy, your help in and through my life. Yvonne and I woke up Friday morning to a text from our daughter, Mindy. She was telling us that her father-in-law, whose name is Leroy Woods, a retired pastor, had a major stroke in the night. She said the blood clot was at the basilar artery causing the stroke, blocking the blood to the brain. I'm just going to read this, okay? They were able to give him the meds within a couple of hours that helps reverse the damage. They then operated on him to remove the clot, and it was successful. The doctor said it's the best case scenario because everything happens so quickly. Now listen to this. They're going to keep him sedated for 36 to 48 hours and won't know the full extent of the damage until he wakes up. This was Friday morning, all right? Then yesterday evening. It's an amazing thing. This is what we get. They moved him out of ICU into a regular room. We'll be discharged sometime next week. The neurologist said the clot was large, but he's expected to regain most of his normal functions. And then his son, Tim, Matt's brother, our son-in-law's brother, wrote this. I've never been on this side of a miracle. Don't get me wrong, I've seen a lot of miracles. Dad was a pastor, he preached, but... More than that, he pastored. When someone was hurting or sick or in need, dad would find them. And many times he found them in the hospital. I walked in and out of hospitals my entire life. I've learned how to do that from my dad. As children, my dad would take me and my brothers with them on hospital visits. We would go with him to rehabilitation centers. We'd tag along to nursing homes. So I've seen the miraculous, Tim writes. I've seen the sick healed. I've heard my dad pray a prayer of faith and seen dying patients prove doctors wrong. 
But this time, the recipient of the miracle is my daddy. It's overwhelming, yet humbling, to be a recipient of such a miracle. Today, this is Saturday. My daddy can move, he can talk, but most importantly, he still has a sense of humor, and he was moved out of ICU. I've come to tell you today, when you walk in the light, you will see God do mighty things. Now, let me pause and tell you, I'm so thankful for doctors. I'm thankful I have a great one. I'm thankful for medical science. But we all know the limitations are there. The neurologist didn't know what Leroy, how he would recover. 36 to 48 hours and basically an induced coma, sedated, not moving, not talking. His arms and his legs were restrained during that period of time. But less than a day later, the restraints are off, his eyes are open, he's moving his limbs, he's talking to his family, and moved from ICU to a room and going home this week. Can somebody say, my God is wonderful? I've come to tell you today, God is a God of light, and that light exposes the works of darkness. That light brings to clarity those things that Satan wants to use to destroy you. When you read the Bible, every time you read about darkness, it's associated with things that are evil and with death. See, it's under the cover of darkness that many, many crimes are committed. People are hurt. Wives are beaten. Children are abused. Robberies and murders occur under the cover of darkness. I read the story this week of a city a few years ago that had a blackout. Blackouts in that city weren't really unusual. What was different about this one is that it lasted a period of days. And the first day of the blackout, people were okay. Things were fine. But when it rolled into 48 hours the second day, people began to break windows and begin to loot, begin to steal things that weren't theirs. And this is the important part of that story. It wasn't criminals doing it, although I'm sure they were. It was the neighbors. It was the friends. It was the normal, average people who normally abided by the law, but darkness took over and they did evil things. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that in darkness, Satan has rule and Satan has reign. He does what he wants. He destroys who he chooses. He causes people to do things that they would normally not do. That's why it's so important that you and I as believers understand we don't live in darkness. We are lights. And everywhere that light goes, it dispels darkness. It chases it away. Listen, dark, darkness does not exist where light is present. Oh, hear me, church. It's time for you and I to stand up and be the light of Jesus Christ. Let his light shine through our lives. Matthew 15, 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stop sitting on the sidelines, to stop clustering in a church, to start hiding behind our religious titles and move into a darkened world where the light of Jesus shines through us because we are light. I want to drive that into your spirit this morning. You as a born again believer are light in this world. 
You have a responsibility. You have an identity. You have a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify your Father by being light in a darkened world. See, when the church recedes into the background, darkness takes over. When the church stops doing and being what God has called them to do and be, darkness takes over. When we fail to understand our role, our purpose, our mission in this life, darkness takes over. Now, let me be real personal with you. You can apply this as you will. So many times people say to me as I stand on Main Street after a service, you were preaching right to me. How did you know that? I didn't know it, but the Holy Spirit did. And he simply used me as a vessel to bring something into your life that prompted a desire to draw closer to Jesus. So this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, use me to touch the hearts and lives of those in this room, those online, those who are watching the days, the weeks, and the months ahead, and let their lives be changed by the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. See, I learned long ago, I can't change anybody. All my words, all my counsel, it doesn't change anybody. But I also learned when the light of Jesus begins to shine in the heart of men and women, change becomes inevitable. It will occur. You were brought from darkness, out of darkness, you were darkness, and now you're light. Change must occur. So let me talk to you about this. You know there's darkness in your life because of the temptations you yield to. The things you struggle with. The things that constantly seem to best you and beat you. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's selfishness. Whatever your temptation is that you constantly give in to is an area of darkness. And I've come to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ did not bring you out of darkness into light to allow you to continue to dabble in darkness, have a closet in your heart that you keep shut, that you don't tell anybody about, to have a struggle you can't seem to overcome. He brought you out of darkness into light so that you could live the light of the Lord and overcome the problems of this life and the temptations that Satan places against you. Sometimes darkness can become so thick that we even have difficulty seeing the sin that's in our lives. So many people in our community that are living in complete darkness and they don't even realize it. Reminds me of the story of the guy who woke up in the middle of the night. He was hungry. So he lit a candle so he could find that bowl of dates that was right there beside him and to satisfy his hunger. He picked the first one up, took a bite, had a worm in it, he threw it away. Picked the second one up, had a worm in it, so he threw it away. He picked the third one up, same story. So what he did was simply blow the light out and ate the dates. That's what we do. We simply turn out the light so we can do what we want, so we can appease our flesh. 
so we can continue down the road that God doesn't want us going down. Folks, I've come to tell you this morning, there is light and that light dispels the darkness. We don't have to live the way we've been living. There is a higher plane, a greater purpose. There is power and reason for you and I to stand up and resist the works of darkness because Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. We say, wow, that's a wonderful scripture. I like it. Well, apply it. Apply it. If, in fact, he's come to destroy the works of the devil, then we should understand that includes my life, my temptations, my weaknesses, my failures, my faults, the things I can't seem to conquer. He's already destroyed. How to overcome them? By walking in the light. By letting his light shine in and through me. By resisting the darkness. John 3.19 from the Passion Translation says these words. And here's the basis for their judgment. The light of God has come. And the glory of the Lord, excuse me, the light of God has come into the world. But the hearts of people love darkness more than they love light. Because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. That's exactly what we're talking about this morning, church. There are people who don't know Christ that are bound in darkness. But when we come to Christ, we become light and light causes the darkness to flee. The only way we live with it is by inviting it back. By allowing it in. It's not God's plan for your life to live in darkness. It's his plan for your life that you are light and you live in light and light reveals and exposes the things of darkness and gives you the power to overcome them. So when Holy Spirit convicts you or me, we shouldn't resist him. We should yield to him. And I know right now in this room this morning and online today, he is talking to individuals about closets of darkness, rooms of darkness that are in your life that you have kept closed and don't want anybody to know about. He's saying today is your day of liberty. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day to let light shine through every aspect and every area of your life. Isaiah prophesied about the light that was to come in Isaiah chapter 60. Verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. Verse 3, The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. This is a messianic prophecy. It's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes, even though the earth is shrouded and covered in darkness, the light of God will arise. Oh, hear me, folks. Our world is covered in darkness, but we have come to declare the light of Jesus will arise. The Bible says in that passage, this light comes to those who are in darkness. They see light shining. And Isaiah is talking about people from all nations and all cultures being drawn from the darkness to the light. He goes on to say in verse 20, your sun shall no more go down. Neither will your moon withdraw itself. For Yahweh will be your everlasting light and the days of your mourning shall be ended. We don't have to walk in darkness because Jesus has come. Matter of fact, 
The third thing I want to tell you this morning is that Jesus is that light. John chapter 8, you'll find in verses 1 through 12, 11, the story of the woman who was taken the very act of adultery and brought to Jesus in the temple courtyard. The Pharisees were trying to tip him up to accuse him of being a lawbreaker. But when they brought her and they said, we caught her in the very act, what should we do with her? The law of Moses said she should be stoned. The Bible says Jesus answered them not a word. But he stooped down and began to write in the dirt. A lot of people have talked about what it was that he wrote. I really have no idea. I wasn't there. But this is what I know. Whatever he wrote in the dirt struck conviction in the hearts of those Pharisees. Because then he said, whoever is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And then the Bible goes on to record it this way. And they left from the eldest to the youngest. And then he said, woman, where are your, your accusers? And she said, I guess no one accuses me. They're not here anymore. And what did he say? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Then verse 12, he spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I want you to catch that transition. He was just dealing with the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He said, go and sin no more. And then the very next verse, he said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me should not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What does that tell me? It tells me when I understand Jesus is the light, then there should be transformation occurring in my life. I don't know how many times I've said it over the last seven and a half years, but you shouldn't be the person you were a year ago. If you're following Jesus, you shouldn't be the person you were six months ago. If you're following Jesus, you shouldn't be the person you were last month. If you're following Jesus, you shouldn't be the person you were yesterday. If you're following Jesus, because as we are exposed to the revelation of the light, he draws us closer and closer and closer to him. He brought us out of darkness into light. We once were darkness, now we're light. Oh, understand the progression. He wants you and me to grow in him, to develop in him, to become spiritually mature in him. Paul said, you've had the milk of the word long enough. It's time to move to the meat. That's what that scripture is talking about in this passage. We need to grow in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, because he is the light of the world, exposes the dark private corners of our life. Those things we prefer to keep hidden. And if we're forced to admit it, everything may not be as buttoned up as we want people to think. Everything may not be as neat and tidy as we want people to think. Matter of fact, some of you are just a hot mess. And it's time to let light shine into your life. It's time to let the light of Jesus bring change. See, when we allow his light to shine in us, he reveals and gives us strength over our temptation and our secret sins. 
He enables us to overcome the faults we prefer not to admit. He enables us to change the way we deal and treat people from harshness to the love of Christ. He takes away that selfish attitude that's been nurtured within us from birth and gives us a heart that wants to be generous and giving. At times, rather than lending a helping hand, we look the other way. He takes that away. You see, when the light of Jesus comes into our life, we begin to see things that we didn't see prior. We begin to understand things that were only a puzzle to us previously. You see, we know and understand that when the light of Christ comes into our life, faith is activated within us. And faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Oh, come on, understand me. When you're walking in the light, you see things that are unseen. You know things that are unknown. You have revelation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that fills your heart and fills your mind and enables you to move forward in Him. He is the light of the world. In Him there is no darkness. The light of Jesus came into the world not to bring condemnation, my friend, but to bring salvation and to bring restoration. He didn't come to rub our noses in those dark corners of our life, but to sweep them out, to clean them out and bring healing and restoration. Jesus is the real and only light that brings change. There's power in light. There's power in light. The greatest light source that we know outside of Christ is the sun, correct? There's power in that light. There's power to burn you. There's power to blind you. And yet there's also power to heal you in that light. Mark and Ruben Palmer are staying with us and for this month. And a couple of weeks ago, she brought in an ultraviolet light to help me with my shoulder. I've got three torn uh, tears in the rotator cuff. And she said, maybe this will help. And I'm thinking... A light? I don't understand that. I don't get that. Doesn't even make sense to me. But when I used that light, something occurred in my shoulder I can't explain, and the pain left. It was diminished. It was gone. Listen, when the light shines on you, you're going to experience a change in your heart and in your life. You can expect a change in your physical body, in your mind, in your attitudes, in your actions, in your daily behavior. Because the light of Jesus always brings change, brings healing and restoration to you and me. What does the scripture say in 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10? It says, this is the message which we have, the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, oh, I love this one. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, 
We make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's amazing to me how many people want to take this book and twist it and pervert it so it fits their lifestyle, so it fits their beliefs, so it fits their behaviors. I've come to tell you today, the Word of God is not subject to your twisting. It stands eternally and sure as the infallible Word of truth and authority in the life of men and women. You can try, but it's not going to work. I remember a couple of years ago, a guy came to me with what he thought was a new revelation. He used this passage I've just read. And he said, don't you understand, Pastor, that when we come to Christ, we don't sin anymore. Really? That's interesting. And then he went back to this passage and he said, yeah, read 1 John, because John wasn't writing to the church, he was writing to unbelievers. And I'm thinking, you just fell off the idiot tree. There is absolutely no truth in that. How can you be so blinded? This entire passage is written to the church. And he said, if you say you have no sin, you lie. But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that tell me? It tells me as I walk with Jesus, he reveals things because he is the light that need to occur in my life. Change that needs to happen. And when I submit to him, he brings the power, the authority, the wherewithal to facilitate that change. Amen. If I believe he's the light of the world. If I believe he brought me out of darkness into light, if I believe I'm not no longer darkness, but now I'm light, then I must also believe transformation occurs in my life. Tom, come back, please. In my life. You see, when there's darkness in our family, darkness in our friendships, darkness in our community, we don't need to moan and groan over it. We need to reveal light. We need to let the light of Christ flow through us. We need to let the light that brings change and transformation work within our lives. We're at a place right now in America where there's great darkness over our nation. From the highest to the lowest levels, from the White House to the back alleys, there's darkness in our nation. And rather than moan about it, rather than cry about it, rather than post on Facebook about it, can I challenge you, let your light so shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What's your purpose, believer? Your purpose is to praise God and be the light in a darkened world. Your identity is in Him. You're no longer darkness. You are now light. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You need to understand when He saved you, when He brought you out of that miry clay and set your feet on the rock, He did so to put you on a new path. Change your life and through you the lives of those around you. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. He goes on to say in the next verse, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
The words that Jesus spoke in that passage through Peter, through Paul, are yet true today. His desire is to dispel darkness by being light. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. You're in this place today and you would say, Pastor, I'm living in darkness. My life is filled with darkness. I've never asked Christ to come into my life. I've never asked him to forgive my sins, to change me, to transform me. I've never repented of the things I have done. Yet today, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and recognize I need to turn to the light, to Jesus, and let him do his work in me. That's you, I've just described you, both online and across this room, that's you. Slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I wanna walk out of darkness into light. Pray for me, yes, sir. Someone else, pray for me. I wanna walk out of darkness, yes, sir, into light, yes, sir. Slip that hand up and hold it. Anyone else, I'll wait just another second. I wanna walk out of darkness into light. Yes, sir. Would you four gentlemen that raised your hand stand right where you're at? Come on, this is a step of faith. You're gonna stand right where you're at. You're declaring God's gonna do something in me. If you raise your hand, stand up. Now step out and meet me right here in this altar. Come on. By doing so, you're saying, I'm confessing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We're gonna pray in just a second. He's gonna do a work in you today. Right down here, meet me right down here, please. Could I have a couple of our elders or deacons, gentlemen, come right now and help me out, please? Help me out. Actually, four or five of you. Missy L and Joalis, please go ahead and come. Gather behind these men, gentlemen. Jarvis, would you come? One, would you come? Gather behind them, put your hand on them. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But it's not the words we're saying that's going to change your life. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And when you pray this prayer, believing that he is the son of God, that he rose again from the dead, and that he's here to forgive you, then he will do that very thing. He will forgive your sins. He will transform your life. You'll become a new person because of him. Right now, just pray this prayer with me. Maybe you should have raised your hand. Maybe online, you need to respond. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Would you do that? Pray it in faith, and God's going to meet you. Jesus, I need a Savior. Come on, speak it out, man. Don't be shy. Jesus, I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sins and ask you to come into my life. Change me because I can't change myself. Do the work in me that only you can do. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer in faith right now, Holy Spirit is doing a work of conversion, of restoration in your hearts and in your life. And today is the first day for the rest of your life. You can't go back, gentlemen, and have a new beginning. But you can start today and have a new ending. 
Now listen to me, Wednesday night, I need you to be in the green room and continue the walk with Christ. Doug Apple's gonna disciple you, help you grow in Him. Right now, Missy Ellen Juales are right over here. I want them to uh, lead you guys out. They're gonna give you more information. They're gonna give you a Bible. They're gonna pray with you specifically. Here's Joali's. Just follow her, gentlemen, right that way. She's gonna take you out and pray with you. Miss Yell's gonna follow you. He's gonna pray with you. And God's gonna do a work within you today. Amen. Come on, welcome them into the family of God. Amen. Now, secondly, you're in this room this morning. You are a believer, but there's darkness you need to confront with the light of Jesus. There are things you've kept hidden, secreted, locked away. Nobody else knows. I'm not asking you to confess your sin this morning. I'm asking you to let the light of Jesus remove that darkness from your life. Right where you stand, or right where you sit, that's you. Stand your feet across this room. Stand your feet across this room right now. That's you. There's darkness that the light needs to reveal today, and you want God to do that in you. Come on, stand your feet. That's you. Don't wait on anybody else. There's a lot standing right now, but don't wait on anybody else. Right now, stand your feet. God, reveal and remove, expose that darkness in my life. Everyone standing, come right now. We're going to pray together as you're coming. Let's begin to believe, church, that in this moment of time, God's doing a great work in the lives of these men and women. In the lives of these teens, God's doing something mighty and powerful. Transformation is happening and occurring because when we choose to confess what we've kept hidden, God removes it from our lives. He takes it away. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have to bear that burden. I don't have to walk with that heaviness in my life anymore because the light exposes it and the power of Christ forgives and cleanses it. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Stand your feet with me across this room. Yvonne, come. Elders and deacons, come. I want you to lay your hands on their shoulders. We're going to pray together in just a second. Tom's going to lead us in this great song. But right now, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to lay my hands on you because I can't do this work. Only Jesus can do it. But because you took a step forward, because you said, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to let God expose in me the darkness that needs to be gone. He He's going to do that work in you today. Oh, let me tell you, there's no shame in responding, but rather there's victory. There's victory when we allow Christ to do something in us. Right now, Father, I pray for every man, woman, teenager that's standing in this altar. I pray for each one who's made a confession of the darkness that they've kept hidden away in their lives. And I thank you that right now, liberty comes as light appears. Victory comes as Jesus enters. In the name of Jesus, you are no longer darkness, and darkness will no longer have a hold on you. But you are light, and the light of Christ is filling your heart, filling your mind, filling your behaviors, filling your attitudes, filling your actions. In the name of Jesus, now sweep the house clean. Remove the darkness and let the wonderful light of Christ flow in and through their lives today. For he's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, you are a child of God. You're adopted by the Father. He calls you by your name. Begin to rejoice and thank him that darkness is broken, dissipated, gone. And light has come. Come on, just throw your hands up in the air and begin to thank Him. 
Begin to praise Him for your victory. Begin to praise Him for your liberty. Begin to thank Him for the light of Christ that's shining in your life right now, that there will be no more secret places, no more hidden sins, no more things that you don't want to tell anybody or anybody to know about because today the light of Christ has set you free. Sing it out, Tom. Come on, worship with us this morning. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.